Hello, I'm Martin Brown from Martin Brown's Marketing Bugle podcast, helping you market your business online. Thank you for listening. There are e-learning courses and other bonuses that you can take for free, which are associated with this series of podcasts. Visit my website, martinbrown.com for details. That's Martin with a Y. You can also join my monthly magazine, Digital Bugle, which is downloadable every issue by subscribing to my email updates. In medieval times, valiant knights went forth into battle in great suits of iron and precious metals. These suits were primarily for protection from spears, swords and arrows, of course. But also, they told the battlefield that here was a warrior. The more richly detailed the armour, often the greater the warrior. In many ways, it was very pretentious, and from a tactical standpoint, often foolhardy. These knights were normally the better trained and more experienced in the ranks, and highlighting themselves in such a way made them a much readier target for their enemy. But that structure was used for hundreds of years. In our lives and businesses, we wrap many things in suits of armour. In our lives, it might be our hearts or fears. In our businesses, it could be our products or our strategy, our personnel or partners, the things we are afraid to lose or that we fear could damage our livelihoods if affected negatively. But as much as a suit of armour can provide a form of protection, it can also weigh us down. You certainly wouldn't go swimming in one, for example. The nature of internet-based business is that they are highly fluid. You have the ability to react to changing markets and trends very quickly. But if you weigh yourself down in a corporate suit of armour, you sacrifice that agility. Too often I have seen small businesses struggling because the people starting them have stayed true to the mentality that they got by working for large corporations. We all started our businesses to get away from that structure, from those limitations. So why are we injecting the same principles back into our own businesses? Everyone likes to have a feeling of stability. It is our nature to yearn for that. Safety and security are the basic tenets that we are first taught as children. But agility can also be a form of security, being able to react quickly to realign your goals and tasks to changing markets and requirements that can provide greater protection for your business than the more stoic and clung-to processes. Don't look to pick one or the other, though. In effect, build yourself a hybrid that encompasses the tenets of both, partly strong and heavy and partly lighter and more manoeuvrable. Much like a wise seasoned warrior would tailor his armour to fit the battle and conditions he will be fighting in, tailor your business for the chosen battlegrounds. Hello and welcome. In this edition of the show, we're chatting with Rob Quester. And if you stay listening, you'll find out how Rob learnt a very sobering lesson that almost cost him everything. He also tells us how setbacks can actually be a good thing in business and why he thinks writing a book really can make a difference to your life. Rob Quester, welcome to the show. Hello. Great to speak with you, Rob. Now, I have to say, your CV is incredibly impressive. So I wanted to start by asking, how did you start in marketing? 
Back in 1997, I caught the coaching bug when coaching was, you know, was an industry that hadn't even uh, it, it hadn't even just started. Um, and I, I attended an NLP, a neurolinguistic programming course. And uh, at the time, I was working for one of the big consulting firms in London. And I thought this would be a great thing. We should be building coaching into what we do. And um, of course, nobody agreed with me. And uh, and a few years later, I decided this is it. Uh, coaching is the way ahead. I'm going to set out on my own. And with that impressive CV that you mentioned just then, of course, the world would be my oyster and everybody would be beating a path to my door. So in 2002, I, uh, I walked out of what at the time was a $140,000 a year job, uh, uh, not realizing that I had just become a $14,000 a year uh, coach. <laughs> uh, because predictably, uh, nobody knew who I was and nobody wanted to, to hire me. So um, that was how I got started. Um, by uh, making the mistake a lot of entrepreneurs make, which is uh, not thinking about uh, what my market was going to be uh, or what I was going to be offering and just uh, taking a, a great idea that I thought the world needed and deciding that I was going to go out and offer it. And uh, it took me a few years to figure out that I'd made that mistake, um, literally until um, about... 2005 so three years of uh, of earning very small amounts and the only reason that, that I, I can say it was a fourteen thousand dollars a year was because in the first year I actually made about three times that and then I in the following two years I made virtually nothing <laughs> so it wasn't until 2005 that um, I got what I what I always call my lost days. Um, that I'd got to the beginning of 2005, and uh, I realized I've got no clients, I've got no money, and I was very rapidly heading towards bankruptcy. Um, and I spent two days being mad at the world, uh, being mad at my prospective clients for not hiring me, being mad at myself for being so stupid. Um, and at the end of those two days, I sat down and I did something that I should have done in the very first place, which was I actually sat down and started setting some goals. Uh, and the first goal I set myself was that by the end of the year, I'd be making uh, 100,000 sterling, which at the time was about $160,000 US. Um, I made it by the end of 2005 to something like 96,000. So I fell 4,000 short of my uh, my goal, but I kind of, I, I let myself off the extra 4,000. I kind of guessed I'd, I'd got close to the intent, um, but I'd managed to turn it around in that year. Sounds like you learned a, a really sobering lesson as well <laughs> off the back of that. It's, um, it, it's That's quite a story in terms of, uh, you know, as, as you say, sometimes it's 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 the false security, isn't it? You're in a job, you're being paid, and you think if I leave, I'll take all these clients with me. But of course, it doesn't always work like that. 
No, it it really doesn't work like that uh, a lot of the time. And um, you know, they always say if you want to make God laugh, showing me your business plan. Well, I hadn't even got to the point of having a business plan. It was literally just I decided one day that I'd had enough and that I was going to go and set the world on fire. And uh, and instead of doing it the sensible way by kind of tapering in and doing some work on the side and building up the business uh, in my own time. I, I went cold turkey. I literally walked into my boss's office and said, hey, I, I quit. And uh, yes, as you say, uh, it was a sobering lesson. And I was going to say, you know, in terms of once you'd done that and, and you know, you'd gone through that process yourself, I guess that also gave you... Um, like an insight, if you like, into how not to do it. So if you talk to other people, if you train other people, this is like, don't follow this advice. Do do the complete opposite. <laughs> well, exactly. Um, yeah, because I, I got to, uh, to 2005 and I'd had three years of basically um, treading water. And it was only in 2005 that I thought, well, I, I don't have a client base. Um and so I need to find a way of building clients very quickly. And quite by chance, I, I, I started doing joint ventures. And that was literally what saved the business and saved, saved me, was finding, I mean, the first joint venture I tried was, um, wasn't as successful. Um, and I can remember um, I'd arranged a joint. Uh, I, I'd arranged a. It wasn't even a webinar. It was a teleconference um, with uh, a competitor slash peer slash JV partner in North America. And I remember dialing in from a hotel in Newcastle. Um, and it was a, a you know dialing in in hotels on an international line was ridiculously expensive, and so we were on the on the line for however long for an hour or whatever doing this teleconference, and of course at, at that point I still hadn't learnt my lesson, so we got to the end of the webinar and I suddenly realised I hadn't really thought about the call to action, and so. Um, I very quickly had, kind of came up with a call to action and that joint venture netted me something like uh, $100, which um, didn't even cover the cost of the phone call. So I went back to, back to the drawing board, set up another joint venture with a, uh, with a more, with a, with a, a joint venture partner that was a better match for me and for my um for my skill set which was which was personal branding it was um which is ironic <laughs> um and that joint venture got me up to a few thousand and then at the end of that year i partnered i i did what literally got me to the hundred thousand mark was that during that year i found a partner that was perfectly aligned and i had the right offer for their audience and um they were desperately in need of what i was offering and by the and that was you know by the end of that year that had turned into a, a an almost a six figure in sterling uh business partner and 
it was around 160,000 of business in US dollars. Um, but it was finding that, you know, just finding that one partnership, um, which is something that I, I say to people now is, you know, if you can find the right partners and the right alliances to make, that can be the difference between having a very expensive hobby or having a va- viable and valid and successful business. It's really true. And and I guess the, you know, the really interesting part in this is it's almost like you went from, as you say, you, you quit a well-paid job, relatively well-paid job. Um, so it was riches to rags and then almost back to riches again from from the, the, the joint ventures that you started to to develop in that time. Can yeah. we just put like a time frame on this, Rob? So you mentioned that you quit your job uh, in the early 2000s and then how how long was it before you know you you say three years before you realized that you had a, like almost like a failing business and then off the back of that how quickly was it before you started to turn the corner and see that actually this now is moving in the right direction that was literally a 12 month uh shift um it, you know the uh, at the start of january 2005 i thought this is it everything is everything has failed um, I'm going to have to go back and get a job and I'm going to have to eat humble pipe maybe to my old employer and things. Um, but literally by the end of that year, uh, those joint, that, that, that big joint venture were, had delivered, you know, that the, the big payoff. That was the, the, the turnaround year, I guess. That was the turnaround. Yeah. And then in the last 15 years, I mean, things have really gone from, from, from great to, to stratospheric, I guess, in terms of what you've achieved. I know we talked about you know the books that you've that you've written so far, um, and also that you've you've moved into more of the personal branding um, side of things. Can you just yeah. walk me through the process of of that, Rob? What made you want to, first of all, then you know turn what you were doing into 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 the books? First of all, yeah. Um, well, let's go back to that that 2005 transformation um by the end of 2008 uh, i'd then built a very successful one-man business so i was traveling all over the world i was working with big corporations i was coaching senior partners in big professional services firms um and you probably remember 2008 is memorable for one big thing, which is that in October 2008, the world collapsed. <laughs> so October 2008, I was literally packing to jump on a plane to New York to go and coach one of my clients. And I get a phone call saying, hey, you're supposed to be with us uh, next week. But uh, we've decided we're not going to go ahead. Um, you know, The market has collapsed. So uh, don't bother getting on the plane. And that was the start of having gone riches to rags to riches. Literally 2008, I was facing going back to rags again. Um, But this time it didn't take me three and a half years to figure out what I was doing wrong. Um, And so I very quickly started to get things moving again um to turn it around uh, again going with um initially I, my first gut reaction was joint ventures is what's kept me going 
joint ventures will help me. And they did. Um, the other thing I did, which I hadn't done before at that point, was I joined a mastermind group. Um, I suddenly realized, hey, uh, I need other smart people around me. Uh, and that was, so that was the point at which I joined my first mastermind group, which some people would think was insane when all your clients are disappearing to go and spend um, yeah, 10, 15, $20,000, $25,000 being in a room uh, with other people. Uh, might seem ridiculous, but I needed to be around people whose businesses were were successful and learn from them. And so that was the point at which I discovered the power of masterminding. Um, and so uh, that was, it very quickly turned around again. And so end of 2008, the business was uh, facing collapse. By the end of 2009, I'd got it back up to, uh, back up to, 200,000 and beyond. Um, and then around 2010, um, I started to get people who were who hadn't recovered from the crash saying, how did you do that? Can you teach me? And that was how I got into got went from uh, running a business to then being asked to to teach people how to grow their business for themselves. Um, and I ended up building a business that in some respects I didn't much enjoy because uh, I ended up running a business where I was managing outsourcers. Uh, I built a business where we would build our, the, plat the marketing platform for our clients. We would help them to build their website. We would help them to create their products. We would help them to write their book. Uh, well, in fact, we didn't help them to write that book, and that was the mistake I made, was we told them that they needed a book as part of their marketing platform. But we were but it, we were literally just saying, you need to write a book. Yeah, here, here's some, uh, some hints and some guidelines, um, and you know, by the end of the year, hopefully you'll have done it. And so I was running a bunch of website developers, and I was running uh, a, a, a bunch of... Uh, email uh, copywriters and things like that. And I realized when, after a few years that that wasn't the business, that wasn't what I liked my role to be. Uh, I am not a project manager by nature. Uh, I'm a strategist, I'm a thinker, uh, and I love being out and delivering. And I love going out and presenting, and I love writing, but I do not like checking boxes off on a Excel spreadsheet and looking at project plans and things. And so in 2014, when we moved to Canada, um, I, I took the opportunity and I thought, well, if I don't like the business that I'm running, what business do I want to be running? And I thought the very first thing that we tell our clients to do is that they need a book. And there's a big difference between the clients that we had who had written a book and the ones who hadn't. And the ones who had written a book were uh, going great guns and they were very successful and they were getting clients and they were making money and the ones who hadn't written their book didn't have that level of success and so I thought right I like writing I know the value of a book as a marketing tool and I know how to build marketing campaigns around a book and so we got rid of everything and focused on the book and I built a team of uh, writers and graphic designers because I thought right 
If the problem is that if I just tell people to write a book, some of them do and some of them don't, let's take that away and let's just write the book for them. And so that became Bright Flame Books, the company that I run now. Um, was It was born out of the realization that if you just tell someone, hey, a book is really useful in marketing, you need to write one, uh, the chances are that you'll see them again two years line, down the line and they still won't have written it. Um, whereas if we took all of that hassle away and then we could say to them, right, let's write the book and now let's build the marketing, marketing campaigns around that book, um, then they had a, they at least had a fighting chance of being successful with it. It's really interesting. And also, I think one of one of the key takeaways that that from what you've just been talking about, Rob, is that sometimes the trajectory of your business can be like that proverbial roller coaster. It can go up, it can go down, it can come back up again, it can go back down again. I think a lot of people believe that, as you set off in business, that it should all be rainbows and butterflies and every, everything should go, you know, swimmingly well. And that that line of growth should just continue up. Uh, that steep line going up, but it doesn't always work out like that. And it's it's great to hear that not only have you overcome those those setbacks, but also it's almost driven you in a way to to almost reevaluate yourself and where you are at that time. And instead of just giving up, you've actually gone. No, this is an opportunity for me to reevaluate and and work out where have things gone wrong and what do I need to do now? How can I invest? in myself and in my business to be able to, to, you know, to get back on the right track. So, you know, yeah, that's, that's really interesting to read. Now you mentioned that you, you have your, your publishing company, uh, bright flame books. Could you just maybe talk to me a little bit more about that and the, the process that you take people through in order to, to create their own book? Sure. Um, the big problem most professionals have got, and uh, let's let's make one thing clear about books. A lot of people think books only work for uh, consultants and accountants and lawyers and people who are selling their knowledge. Um, books actually work in virtually in any industry. I'll take the word virtually out. They work in any industry. Uh, I've even seen a company that does basement remodeling uh, using a book in their marketing campaigns. Um, and the reason is, because most professionals, most businesses struggle with a number of things. First of all, they struggle to stand out from thousands of competitors who are offering the same basic product or service. Uh, they struggle to explain exactly what they're going to do for their customer. And they struggle to justify them, their fees. Uh, and I very quickly discovered that a book was a great way of achieving all of those three things before you even walk in the room. Uh, when I when I do presentations, I, I always tell the story of um, what I call the, the world's shortest uh, sales meeting, which is where I'd had a call from uh, from a prospective client. They'd um, they'd uh, pick, they'd read a, a, one of my books. Um, um, that they picked up on Amazon and they said, you know, come in and uh, and talk to us and we'll see whether we're a good match. So I drove up to um, up to London and I walked into the boardroom expecting to meet just the person who'd called me. And instead, I found their entire board of directors uh, and every one of them had a copy of the book in front of them. The CEO had actually bought a copy for each of them and made it 
uh, made them read it. And as we started the sales meeting, he said, we want you to turn us into the natural expert in our industry. And the natural expert is a, a term that I'd created and introduced in that book. Uh, and so at that point, I knew a couple of things. First of all, there's only one person in the world who could make them the natural expert because I'd, writ I'd literally written the book about it. And so there wasn't any, they couldn't call anybody else and say, can you make us the natural expert in our industry? Because whoever they called would go, what's that? Uh, secondly, if they've gone to the pro trouble of making everybody else in the room read my book, one, all of their objections have already been handled. Two, they already know what I'm going to talk about. And three, this wasn't a sales meeting. It was effectively a kickoff meeting for the assignment. We just hadn't agreed a fee yet. Uh, and effect, uh, and that's exactly what how it worked out. Um, it was never a case of, you know, I'll put together a proposal and um, and let us know and then we'll talk, go away and we're, we're talking to various other people. It was a kickoff meeting. We were already planning the stages and then at the end of it, they said, could you just send us a note um, with your fee? So um, that's a very long-winded way to say books work in any industry. And so um, the mistake a lot of professionals make when they start to write a book for their marketing is they don't think about how it's going to fit into their business. Um, a book is a great idea, but we don't approach it as, oh, everybody should have a book. We approach it as everybody should have a really successful marketing campaign and let's build that campaign around a book that positions you at the top of your industry that explains what you're going to do for your customers and explains why your fees are as high as they are uh, and handles all of their objections before you've even walked in the room. And so that the first step of our process is planning all of that out. It's, you know, what is it that we want the customer to do after they've read the book? Uh, how are they going to get the book in the first place? Are we going to be giving it away on a website? Are we going to be... Um, sending it to our prospects are we going to be selling it on amazon how are they going to how are they going to get it what are they going to do and if that that's what they want we want them to do what do we need to put in the book in order to make them do that what's the content that will make them want to take that obvious action and then we can build the book around it and then so at that point we hand off to a ghostwriter whose job is to get all of the stuff out of their head and onto paper. Um, and typically we end up creating um, a few hundred questions that become an interview guide. Uh, and I'll backtrack a little bit. The whole process was born out of the realization that most people will struggle to write about what they do. But they can talk for hours about what they do because that's what they do all day long. They talk to prospective clients, they talk to suppliers, they talk to their business partners, they talk to their team. So they know how to talk about what they do. And so we use an interview-based process where we get people to talk to us. Um, and it, the writer's job is to turn that conversation into a book. And uh, I'd like to think we do it very successfully, given that um, we've had books that have been uh, that have had that have won uh, awards in book competitions. We've had books that have been featured in uh, in book review magazines. 
um, that would not normally be considered because they are um, they're not from a major publishing house. Uh, there's a company called Kirkus that has a magazine that reviews books from major publishers. You can't get into it normally unless you're from a major publisher and one of our clients um, managed to get that book in there. So we we aim to do a to create a book that would look good if it were on the bookshelves of a normal bookstore. Uh, and we aim to write one that would be worthy of a major publisher for our clients. So it's not just we're not right. We're not aiming to do the 20 page extended sales letter type of books. You know, we're creating 150, 200, 300 page books that are about um, positioning and uh, effectively, I call them a sales meeting in a uh, in a box. Uh, typically 120 to 160 pages is just right um it's short enough that people will read it and long enough that it actually gives uh, an idea of uh the person's level of authority and knowledge um so we create it by interview and then we give it to book designers who make it look like a, a professionally published book uh, and then the the capstone of everything is that we do a bestseller launch. Uh, we engineer a lot of uh, activity to make sure that the book becomes a bestseller, which then creates a lot of buzz in the market. And the, well, we've had uh, clients run, have parties in their office and invite everybody around. And it's a great excuse to get all, you, all of your best prospects into the room. And um, a lot of sales conversations start in that room. Um, we've had other clients who've run book signing parties at bookstores or in um, in retail stores that would be a good joint venture partner for them, and so on. But the key to it all is that everything is built into a into a marketing campaign. We're not just writing a book for the sake of it. It's let's design a campaign, and now let's write the book that will make that campaign work. So it's fascinating in terms of you know the the process that that you go through, and I, I guess the one of the key things here is that this isn't just a way of opening the door. It's almost like it's a way of kicking the door open <laughs> for for most people, mm. um, and and that's really actually, important we, these days. Yeah, I was going to say we actually had a client. Um, in in fact, it's that that client with the um, the the world's shortest sales meeting. When we actually did their book, um, they worked with big hotels. Well, they wanted to work with big hotel chains. They were working with a lot of independent hotels, but they couldn't get into the do- get through the door with some of the big hotel chains. And that one in particular, they'd been trying to get a meeting with for something like three years, and they just you know that they they wouldn't return their calls. They wouldn't uh, return their emails. They wouldn't return their letters. Nothing. There was nothing coming out of them. And so we we started this camp. We wrote the book, started this campaign, started a, an outrageous um, multi-step marketing campaign that involved um, lots of 3D mail. And um, so we had a number of steps. There were 3D mail. There were phone calls. There were um, a series of follow-up letters and postcards. But it all started off with the book. And about a week after the book 
uh, went out. And just as they were getting ready to start the uh, follow-up calls, an email came back from that company saying, hey, um, I've read your book. We need to talk. So three years of doorstepping them, emailing, phone calls, letters, nothing. We send them a book, and within a week, they're coming back and saying, we need to talk. Uh, and and one of the other hotel chains that they'd spoken to, they actually got a, an email back from somebody saying, from one of the gatekeepers saying, oh, hi, we've got your book. Um, you actually sent it to the wrong person. I've forwarded it to so-and-so who is the assistant to our um, operations director, whose name is this. Uh, they'll be calling you in the next few days to set up a meeting. And I always say to people, you know, when was the last time that you, that a gatekeeper called you up or emailed to say, hey, you sent your sales brochure to the wrong person, but it's okay, I've forwarded it to the person who should have had it. It, and, you know, Sales brochures and sales letters end up in the trash a lot of the time, particularly with gatekeepers, and yet the book actually had this person going out of their way to make sure it got to the right person. I mean, we've all heard the phrase that a book is the ultimate uh, business card, I guess, but this takes it one stage further than that, I guess. <laughs> As you say, it's a, it, it is a door knocker down. It's a battering ram. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you're new, nothing else will work. Well, your new book, uh, Rob, is co-written with a previous guest of this show, Bill Glazer. Uh, yes. you, you alluded to the title just a few moments ago, The Outrageous Marketing, Multi-Step Marketing Campaigns, Volume 2, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yes. Can you just tell me a little bit more about that as well and, and how you ended up working with with Bill on that uh, that project yeah um I was referred to Bill Glazer by a good friend and a very well-known marketer called Mike Koenigs um and Bill has known Mike for many years and um when he, uh, and after Bill had a stroke uh, about four years ago now um he took it easy for a while and then he decided uh, Bill being Bill decided after a while that he w wanted to write a book. So he contacted Mike Kennings and said, hey, I, I want to write a book. Um, I need somebody to help me write it. Um, who do you suggest? And Mike said, talk to Rob Quester. So uh, I get a, a, a text from um, Mike saying, do you know who Bill Glazer is? And I said, oh, yeah, yes, of course I do. <laughs> um, he is the G of GKIC. Um, and he said, would you like to work with him? And I I edited down my response to uh, something that was publishable, but but effectively was, yes, of course I would. Um, and so I we arranged a call, and Bill and I hit it off immediately. Uh, and now is our fourth year working together. So I helped him write the first volume of um, Outrageous Campaigns. That turned into a live event. Uh, and then uh, at the end of a live event, he said, no more live events, no more books. And then within a few weeks, he said, let's do another book. So I said, okay. Um, I said, Let, uh, let's do it. Uh, let's run a virtual summit. I said, so we'll interview the people who are going to be featured in the book, turn that into a virtual summit, which will be a product, and then we can take that virtual summit and also turn it into the book. Um, and so that became the second volume. Uh, in the first book, we had 49 campaigns. Um, in the second one, we've got 42 campaigns from people like um, 
Ryan Dice, we've got Yannick Silva, we've got Nick James in there. Um, we've got um, Marisa Murgatroyd. We've got 42 uh, marketers, some very well-known, some less well-known, but that doesn't mean they're any less uh, less successful. It just means that they are their market isn't other internet marketers and so in the internet marketing industry they're not so well known but if you go into the fitness industry you'll hear their names or if you go into the um uh i'm trying to think uh, into the speaking industry you'll hear their names and so on um, and so that virtual uh, virtual summit became the second book and now we're turning it into another live event um and so yeah four years working together um and it's been a lot of fun and it's been an, an, an outrageous fun you could say um and still going strong and we're already talking about a third book uh, but that probably shouldn't go into the uh, into the article <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, as somebody that was was part of that virtual summit, I actually attended the virtual summit. Um, I remember just thinking the the amount of information and the amount of brain power that's being presented here is just incredible. So, you know, all kudos to you and Bill for putting that 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 together. Um, uh, Bill spoke very warmly about you on the show previously and how much he enjoys. Uh, working with you, which is why I'm so delighted that you know you agreed to to come on the show as well, Rob. Um, I, I guess one of the one of the burning questions I have for you is: after everything that you've been through and everything that you're doing right now, what is the one thing you would say you're the most proud of? <laughs> the most proud. Um... One thing is still being in business 18 years in um, because you know, we hear all kinds of statistics about you know how, how many businesses collapse in their first year and how many then make it through the fi five years and collapse. Um, but I've been in business now for 18 years. And despite that roller coaster, as you said, I have I've never let it get uh, get in the way. Um, uh, uh, the world has thrown at me. I have always thought to myself, this is what I want to be doing. And so I can either um, give up on what I want to do or, I'll, or I can keep going. And giving up isn't an option. And so that is... Uh, that is one of the things I'm most proud of. The other is um, the, the books. Um, Outrageous Marketing Campaigns, Volume 2 is a fantastic book. So is the uh, so was the first volume of Outrageous Campaigns. Um, I, I remember the, the first time I published, or the, the, the time I published my first big book. You know, so I'd written a number of smaller books around the 30, 40, 50 pages. Um, and then I wrote Premium uh, back in 2010, I think. It, uh, yeah, 2011, in fact, it was published, um, which was my first full-size book. And I just, the, I, even now, I will look through these books and it's uh, it's almost like somebody else wrote them. Um, it's, it, it's 
I look at them and I still find stuff that I'd that even I've forgotten. I, I, they have pride of place on my bookshelf all the time because I'm incredibly proud of the books that I've created and um, and the team that I've built uh, f- around me to to help me and my clients with their books. Yeah, I mean, it's, having a book is an amazing legacy as well, isn't it? Because of course, it's something that you can hand down as well to future generations as well to say here's here's where i was and this is this is what was in my mind at the time and yeah here it is for you now to take forward i mean to have a book is an incredible achievement in itself but to have as many as you've got rob is is taking it to the extreme (laughs) wow um so what's next for you i mean obviously you've achieved so much so far but but what's next for you so we've got the live event coming up uh, very soon with Bill, uh, as I mentioned. That's uh, that's in March. Um, so that's we. If, on the back of that, actually, that's the other thing I forgot. On the back of the book, uh, the virtual summit in the book, we then launched a uh, a membership program with Mara, Bill's daughter, uh, Bill and myself. And so uh, Mara is part of the team for the live event as well. Um, so we've got the that that live event coming up. Uh, we're also launching a mastermind program. Um, as I said, I'm a big believer in the power of masterminds, and there's there's uh, one thing I've noticed ever since joining that first mastermind is the years in which I've ha- been a, p- a part of a mastermind program have always been my most successful. And you know, uh, a, a couple of years ago, I tr- I didn't join one because I went just after we'd moved to Canada. When I, first, when I first moved over, I hadn't got a mastermind here in Canada, and um, I very quickly realized I needed to be in another one. So I'm a big believer in the power of masterminds, so we're launching a mastermind um, in the spring as well. And then in the on the book side of things, um, one of the things that I realized was that there are uh, people who want a book but don't uh, but can't necessarily afford to have a book written for them one on one the way that we do um and so uh, we'll be launching a group uh program that's basically a book retreat where you come in and um we lock you in the room until you have written your book <laughs> Because if we send you away, we know that I know that um, the chances of you actually finishing it are slim, and so we're just going to lock you in a room and teach you how to write a book and not let you out until you've written it, or at least at the end of the week. <laughs> and you will give people food and water at that time as well, won't you, Rob? <laughs> no, no, that's part of the uh, that's part of the encouragement to finish the book is you don't eat until the book is finished. No, yeah, we <laughs> there will be food and water and uh, uh, and maybe even some sleep as well. <laughs> I'm pleased to hear it. Now, um, Robert, I mean, it's been great chatting with you. Thank you again for being so generous with your time. How can we find out more about you and your services and, and what you offer? Um, well, the first place uh, to go is oops, the first place to go is Outrageous Marketers Live um, to find out about that live event. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Bill and Mara and I. And we also have a guest speaker, Ed Rush. We're all going to be dressed up as pirates. Um, and you'll understand the reason for the pirate theme uh, if you attend. Um, but it's a great opportunity to be in the room with hundreds of 
potential customers, potential suppliers, potential joint venture partners, um, and just to find out about outrageous marketing and um, and how to make your marketing fun and successful at the same time. Um, so that's the first place to go is outrageousmarketerslive.com. And to find out about the uh, books, then it's brightflamebooks.com, which is a nice, simple, um, a nice, simple URL as well. That sounds great. Well, Rob Quester, thank you so much for your time. I've really enjoyed chatting with you and, uh, and good luck with all your future ventures as well. Thank you for taking time to interview me. Thank you for listening. To keep up to date with all things Marketing Bugle podcast, join my free email updates which includes a regular downloadable magazine to help you with your business marketing online. Visit martinbrown.com. That's Martin with a Y.